problem isn't he's a small Christ for your big problems. The problem is he's a huge Christ, but you're not taking your huge problems to him. Mm. The Jesus you're bored with is not the real Jesus. If you're bored with him, the problem is you, not him. The real Jesus is irresistible. Mm. What would you say to someone who is standing on the rim of the Grand Canyon, ooing and aahing over photos of the Grand Canyon on their phone? <laughs> You'd say, what are you doing, you doofus? Well, welcome to the Digging Deeper podcast, a podcast of Perimeter Church, where I get to serve as the senior pastor. My name's Jeff Norris. I'm joined by Laura Story Elvington, who's also on our staff at Perimeter. And we call this Digging Deeper because we want to take important topics of the Bible, of culture, of life, and uh, dive a little deeper into them and try to figure out exactly what God would have us uh, believe and understand and know and, and ask important questions. And so we're thrilled in this episode, a part of this series that we're doing called Faith And. Uh, we're thrilled to be joined by our friend Dane Ortland and uh, to discuss this uh, very important topic of faith and sanctification and dive deeper into sanctification. What is it and how are we to understand it and apply it? So Dane, thanks for joining us, brother. Appreciate you taking time to have this conversation with us. Jeff and Laura, it is a joy to spend this time with you. Thank you. Yeah, man, absolutely. Um, let's just start with, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where where do you serve currently? What's your role? What do you do? Maybe a little bit about your family, all those good things. Mm. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. Uh, I am sitting in my church office here in Naperville outside of Chicago right now, and I've been serving here just for a couple of years, about two and a half years, um, after spending a decade in Christian nonprofit publishing at Crossway. And yeah. so we've been in Chicagoland a long time, and um, uh, I was working to uh, study the Bible in my 20s, then my 30s, working to publish the Bible. Now I'm working to preach the Bible. I love the Bible. <laughs> I'm yes. going to die one day not having even begun to exhaust it, so I'm just having a, a ton of fun. I'm married to Stacy, 21 years. We have five kids, four boys and a girl, ages 16 down to six. And awesome. so I... Awesome. Uh, I love getting up and living another day in my life. Amen. I love that. All right. You said 21 years. What's uh, what's your anniversary date? Uh, July 28. Of 01? Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Man, right. We, are, we are really close, man. So Rachel and I, my wife, we've been married 21 years. We got married August 4th of 01. How so, about it? We got you by a week. Yeah. Yeah, man. So we've been, we've been on the same track with you guys. We have four kids. You have five. And uh, hmm. a little bit... We flipped the tables on. We have three girls and a boy. You guys, you said four mm. boys and a girl, right? So, right. Anyway, and um, did, did you grow up in Chicago area? Um, kind of, Laura. I uh, I was born in California in the in San Francisco. We then spent out when I was two. We moved to Scotland and spent four years there. My dad was studying there out at Aberdeen. We then went spent four years in Eugene, Oregon, um, church planting. At that point, when I was 10, we did move to Chicagoland. So, and for pretty much, except for a little time in Connecticut and St. Louis, we've been in Chicago. So Chicago uh, has become home for us, yeah. That's great. And many of our listeners would would recognize the name of your dad, Ray Ortland, uh, in the ministry he has had for, for decades now and things that he has written and his preaching over the years. And uh, so uh, quite the family lineage and legacy that that uh and your brother Gabe and has also written some great stuff and and we want to talk about some things that you have written of course uh there are 
more people than I could count uh, at, at our church, at Perimeter Church, uh, here in the Atlanta area, who read and were deeply influenced and shaped by Gentle and Lowly, uh, including all of our staff, that I, I required them to read it and discuss it. Uh, because I loved it so much, and so thank you for that, and and for being a vessel of the Lord to to be a, to be a blessing on that front. Um, and this this book that's a, a a bit of a Cliff's Notes of uh, or what's the, today? Okay, in my day yeah, and age, it was so, Cliff's Notes. What do they say today? I'm not um, sure, but uh, Dane, I feel like you should know. You know, Jeff and I don't argue much um, <laughs> in our working relationship. <laughs> I don't argue much with my boss. But we we did have a little bit of an argument. Did, over I don't even know what you're talking about. We what, had an argument. I don't remember what this. we were going to have you talk about. Oh, he oh. was so impacted by Gentle and Lowly, which I thought was fantastic. Yes. But I kind of hijacked this. Uh, so when I was at the Sing Conference in Nashville, Tennessee, mm. maybe two or three years ago, uh, Crossway I think was was about to publish uh, this book that I have in my hands. Um, how does God change us? And I think this is a smaller version of a, a bigger book, but I called deeper, correct? Yes. Yeah. Is, it, is that correct, uh, Dane? All right. Yes, right. We don't want to be telling lies here. Yeah. Um, but I was given this, and it's this tiny little book that I just kind of uh, grabbed at the table, you know, the promotions table, and a couple weeks later sat down on my sofa and read it and was just so profoundly impacted mm. by it that I, I guess I won the argument. You Jeff. did. Hey, I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember it being, she's a little dramatic. I don't remember it being an wasn't argument. An argu- it wasn't an argument. But uh, I, it didn't take much persuading because um, I thought, my goodness, what a great thing to discuss. Uh, because, and, and Dane, I wanna, here's the first question I want to ask you. Um, whether people in the church know to even frame it this way, mm-hmm. uh, we struggle with understanding what is sanctification. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, they may there may be some listening now and going, "Okay, I'm not even. What, what, what do you mean? What is sanctification? What is mm-hmm. what is that word? What is it getting at? Uh, I've seen it in the Bible, didn't know what it meant. You know, whatever. And so let's start there. What what? How would you maybe begin to give framework and definition to? What is sanctification? And, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, why is it so very important? Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jeff and Laura, for those comments and for being my friends and partners in ministry ac- across the miles in those book projects. You and I are operating out of a shared heart, um, obviously. Um, the title of that little book is How Does God Change Us, Not How Do I Change Myself? Mm. Yeah. yeah. The title of the bigger book, of which that is a reduction, is deeper, subtitle, real change for real sinners as opposed to uh, merely behavioral frothy surface change which any of us can crowbar into into place if we try hard enough Mm -hmm. um, for for real sinners as opposed to for theoretical sinners Mm -hmm. not those who not only those of us who believe in the doctrine of original sin in our lives that we are infected with the sin of Adam, but who are proving it <laughs> every day. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, sanctification is a big, intimidating subject. It's something that I have wrestled with and am wrestling with. Um, I am 
Maybe the first thing to say, Jeff, is I am frustrated at how little sanctified I am. Mm-hmm. I, I need yeah. this. I wrote this book yeah. for me. Um, yeah. I yeah. am what, kind of the, the line that I've begun to use when someone says, oh, so how are you doing? How are things going at the church? Is I am stumbling my way forward with the arm of the Lord Jesus around me. Mm-hmm. That's actually how I feel. And yeah. a lot of times it's kind of like running on the beach. You feel like you're taking two steps forward and one step backward. But to answer your question, what is sanctification? It's, it's one of these big theological words. All it means is growing in holiness, hmm. growing in holiness. So, um, it, it, and what that means is we are growing at one at the same time. And th- I think a lot of Christians, many Christians I talk with don't seem to, to see both of these at one at the same time in being more like God, one, and two, in being more the human that actually we were created and destined to be. Mm. I say that because holiness, holiness is such a dour word for most people. Oh, holiness. I want to enjoy my life. But actually, to grow in holiness um, is not a diminishing of who I am. It is the solidifying of who Mm. I am. It's uh, that's why I called the book deeper. It's a deepening. Oh, you're become. I'm becoming the Dane that God actually made me to be. Wow. So, um, so in the New Testament, there's actually not much in the New Testament about growing. I mean, you could read First, Second, and Third John, for example. There is not a single statement about mm-hmm. growth mm-hmm. in those letters. There are a few places. There are a few places. Um, but the, the, the main messaging of the new Testament in how we grow, and I know you guys believe this and cherish this way down in your heart is not, um, like Benjamin Franklin writing out 13 virtues and knocking out number one in month, number one, and number two in month, number two, that is not how it works. The new Testament message for sanctification, for growing in holiness is be today who you now are. Caterpillar butterflies don't walk along the branch like they're still caterpillars. You have been changed. You mm. are now. You are now born again. You're finally alive. Mm. You you have come into Christ. <laughs> You've woken up. You're awake. You're alive. Why would you act like you're still in a spiritual coma? Mm. Be who you now are. As beloved children, act this way. Ephesians 4, Ephesians 5. This is the logic all through the New Testament. Um, you are this, why are you acting like you're still a caterpillar, yeah. like you're still your old self? Yeah. Man, so that's, that's, that's all we mean by sanctification. Growing, growing, that is um, actually functioning, operating moment by moment in accord with the glorious, freeing gospel truths of what is true about us. Yeah. Man, it, immediately <laughs> I'm thinking of, of how, yeah, I mean, so many thoughts, but, you know, Galatians, where Paul is... Mm. Say, why would you go back? Mm-hmm. Why would you go back to the elementary, right. yeah. you know, things of the past? And, and it, it, this is you, that's not who you are anymore, right? And, and in right. so much of Romans, you know, in our union with Christ, and uh, you know, consider yourself dead to sin, yeah. right? Because that's mm-hmm. you are. Um, yeah. Anyway, there's just a lot of a lot of things that are just scripturally coming to mind. But um, what, what would you say? And Laura, I know you got a lot of questions too, but. No, I'm. I yeah. really am just still taking all of that in. That was so good. Um, yeah. In fact, if you're listening right now, you might, in all seriousness, you might want to hit pause <laughs> and think about what you just heard Dane share, and even hit that thirty second 
back button a few times and re-listen to what he just shared because that was rich and beautiful. And even the picture that you just gave us, man, of the butterfly versus the caterpillar. And why would we why would we live as though we're still in a cocoon, right? Or or mm-hmm. or right. you know, we we have wings, we've been set free, you know, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So anyway, mm-hmm. man, so good. What, what, help me and us and listeners understand. What are the what are the misconceptions people carry? You you've you've alluded to it a little bit, but I'd love to hear more about what are some of the greatest misconceptions that Christians have about sanctification and what it yeah. is or what it isn't, you know? Right. Well, one of the, one of them we were just sort of talking about, namely, um you uh, uh, one misconception would be this. If I am growing more and more like Christ, then I am necessarily growing more and more monotonously, redundantly like every other Christian. At one mm. level, that's true. We all that's are good. all growing in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and so on. But um, C.S. Lewis is so helpful on this. He says, if there's a bunch of people living in a dark basement, they've never seen light. And they're told a single light is going to go on and it's going to illumine you all. And for the first time in your life, you're going to see what you and one another all look like. They might object please don't turn the light on because then I'm going to lose my individuality and distinctiveness and particular glory. Whereas you and I know turning the light on brings out their individual glory in a similar way. Mm. As we become more Christ-like, we actually in some ways become more different from each other (laughs) and take, we are clothed with our particular beauty and destiny. Um, Lewis says, how monotonously alike have all the great tyrants of the world been, how Mm. gloriously different all the saints. So one misconception is as you become more like Christ, as you grow in holiness, you're going to be more blandly like all the other people sitting by you in the pews at church. No, no, no. (laughs) You become who you really are, number one. Another one would Mm. be, um, I am sanctified by digging deep, trying hard scurrying faster on my internal hamster wheel, you know, squeezing my eyes shut real tight. When in fact, the way we grow, Jeff and Laura, you guys know this, but it it remains deeply counterintuitive. Even for me, like at a reflex level, we don't grow by, by, by squeezing our eyes shut, but by opening our eyes Mm -hmm. and looking Mm. at Christ. That might sound like an elusive thing, but actually looking at Christ in word and sacrament in scripture heard and in scripture tasted looking at christ mm. and opening our eyes beholding second corinthians three eighteen, um mm-hmm. we're all become we're growing it from one degree of glory to another as we behold <laughs> yeah. as we behold open your eyes and look at him and you can't help but be changed just like getting out and sitting on the beach in florida you can't help but your skin start to get browner or redder <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> if redder someone me, doesn't tan sure. well yeah yeah. Another objection would be, or another, uh, I think you said misconception would be um, uh, the opposite of dig real deep, but try real hard would be uh, let go and let God mm-hmm. just, <laughs> just put it in cruise control, autopilot, um, like those walking things at the airport. When you got a long terminal, you just kind of hop on, stand on the right and it scoots you along. No, that's not how it works other, uh, either. <laughs> um, we, we, uh, we don't in sanctification only hoist our sail and let the spirit blow. We also row. <laughs> it's yeah. a both end. That's great. Um, yeah. And so, uh, so, so actually let go, let God 
there's a grain of truth is in it as there is in just about every theological error. There's mm. actually a truth there, namely that that our growth is all at bottom of God and of grace. Mm. But that doesn't mean that we just uh, sit back and and uh, wait for it to happen. Um, yeah. We engage with with gospel fueled effort. Um, another another uh, couple of errors or misconceptions would be that growth. And this is one that I have. Hmm, needed to learn in recent years a misconception would be growth happens when life is going well mm. um when you're experiencing promotions mm. your pay is going up you're six you've successfully built quiet times into your mornings you've gotten on top of your diet or whatever success looks like for anyone yeah. Right. Um, that's when you're really going to be growing. When, in fact, who of us would not testify? It is when I am squeezed and deflated mm -hmm. and discouraged. Yeah. And like a wave of a wave has come in as I'm waist deep in the ocean. A wave has come in and just completely knocked me over and disoriented me. And I'm tumbling around in the surf thinking, what in the world is going on? God, why are you torpedoing my life? This is not what I signed up for. Mm -hmm. If in that moment, if in that moment, we will hang on to God as more deeply he hangs on to us, we'll get a good friend or two, and we will simply not give up and go cynical, which many Christians do. Yeah. Mm. If we will simply not go cynical, we will come out of that dark tunnel on the other side, and we will be brighter, more radiant men and women. And mm. we will look back and say, I never, I never could have been chiseled and deepened in this way without that darkness. Mm. Um, one final misconception mm. that comes to mind, guys, would be, um, <laughs> would be, I can't change. Mm. Um, I've tried. Been there, done that. Um, maybe in my 20s when I was really excited about the Lord, but these days, you know, I got five kids. I'm just trying to sleep through the night. I'm trying to figure out how to pay for college soon. You know, I'm trying. I'm trying to negotiate this latest critical email or whatever. Yeah. Um, change. I I'm just trying to make it to retirement. We might think. Yeah. yeah. And the devil loves to flood us with a a sense of futility <laughs> with regard to change. That is one of his great victories, um, just to make us think. Throw, kind of throw our hands up in the air and say, um, "Sanctification? Are you kidding me? I, I'm just, I'm just trying to to not quit on life." Yeah, mm -hmm. and so that that would be another misconception is that you can't change. No, you have in the twin gifts of the Son and the Spirit, you have everything you need already. That's the point of that little book there, sitting on the couch. You have everything you need. Mm. <laughs> you don't need to go looking for it. You have everything you need. You mentioned Jeff, union with Christ. Because of that, you have everything you need for profound, lasting, permanent change and growth. Mm -hmm. So that is that is uh, would be one other thing. Man, goodness, so much. Um, That's can I carry Dane with me everywhere I go and just you know just keep, just you know yes. hit play and say all right say that again for me yeah. man that was good. Okay, I have thoughts and questions. I have all sorts of stuff. Go go for it. Um, First of all, I so appreciated what you said about about pain. So, Dane, part of part mm. of my story, um, my mm. husband uh, had a brain tumor. It's been about mm. maybe fifteen years now, mm. 
And Hmm. I remember when we were spending long nights in the hospital for the first three months after his surgery. And it was the first time that I, you know, as a good Christian, I wasn't having my consistent quiet time, which Hmm. had always been what I'd seen as the way that, (laughs) you know, that I strengthen yeah. my faith, that, I, that I'm a good Christian and all of this. Right. But it was, I feel like it was the first time in my life that rather than me holding on to my faith, it was the time that I felt my faith holding on to me. Mm-hmm. And so I so relate to what you said about the work that God does through suffering. So, but here, mm-hmm. here's, my, here's my question. So all of that, so good. What does it look like daily for you? Like, what yeah. are the things that you do, um, whether it's rhythms, uh, daily rhythms, practices, or maybe things, um, truths that you that you tell your own soul as you're, uh, you, you talked about change, you know, when, when there's something about your life that mm. you're, you're so yeah. tempted to believe I'm going to be this way forever. What what are like right. super practical hey, ways and be, to? And before you answer yeah. that, Dane, because I, I know you wouldn't say this, but mm. going back to what you shared about your story, yes. you you've written a book that I think is fantastic called "When God Doesn't Fix It," about mm. that season of your life and about what you've learned in your sanctification process and the faithfulness of the Lord, even when things don't turn out the way that we would, you know. And even to your point, Dane, about you know, gosh, so much of growth is in the in in the hard. Right and and not the yeah. not the good and the easy. So yeah. I just wanted to mention that because I know you wouldn't bring your own book up. Oh, you're but sweet. It's it's uh it's really good. But yeah, Dane, everyday everyday rhythms. What does that look like? Yeah, thank you for mentioning that, Jeff and Laura. Um, well, if you were if you were to have a you know um, vision into my life twenty four seven, it would be completely unimpressive, totally ordinary, <laughs> and fickle up and down. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm 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 straggling my way forward just like the rest of us. But to try to answer your question in a helpful way, um, what what it looks like for me right now is I get up in the morning and I and what I'm doing is I'm becoming a Christian all over again. Now I mm-hmm. believe that I was born again at age six. Uh, I don't believe that you can ever get unborn again. God's mm-hmm. not that kind of God. Right. Um, so I'm 44. What is that? 38 years. I'm just getting going. I am a toddler. <laughs> in how to figure all this out. And uh, I'm getting up in the morning in my favorite leather chair with my cup of coffee. I have my little heating pad under it so it doesn't get cold quickly. And I got my Ooh, I have couple that of too. Bibles. I love that. I love that thing. That thing's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. It, it's not the Holy Spirit, but it sure does help. It, it feels yes. like it, doesn't it, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm opening my Bible and in all my grogginess and grumpiness, in all my unbelief and regret, in all my, you know, the, the, again, Lewis talks about when you wake up in the morning and it, it, all your thoughts and fears and dreams come rushing at you like wild animals. Mm. <laughs> so mm. True. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm waking up, I'm a blank slate and I'm just, you know, uh, freaking out over the day ahead thinking, how in the world do I climb this Mount Everest of my very ordinary day, given mm. what a weirdo I am <laughs> and how, how inconsistent <laughs> And faithless, I tend to naturally function. And I'm and what I mean by become a Christian all over again, guys, is I'm opening my Bible, I'm reading in Old Testament and then in New Testament, and I, I'm ask I'm asking the simple question, where do I see here um something about the God 
who rescues or me who needs it. Hmm. As opposed to what do I see here about um, Abraham's or Noah's or David's or Peter's or Paul's or John's faith that I want to go emulate? (laughs) Yeah. That's actually not the point. Um, what, what, What do I see about God here that helps me to see it is all of grace all the way down so that I can stumble into that chair and with caffeine and the Holy Spirit float out and go about my day um, and experience Schaefer's phrase. Schaefer's phrase was experience reality with God. Mm-hmm. That is something different than sound doctrine. I was in school doing theology stuff till I was 31 because I care about sound doctrine. That matters. All three of us agree on that. Yep. But you can have sound, the Pharisees had sound doctrine. Amen. So how do I have real, actual reality with God? Again, Schaefer would say, moment by moment. Mm-hmm. I am trying to, I'm trying to read this, this book right here and say, oh my, maybe God, but how do I function as if God is actually there? <laughs> this is what I learned from my boss, Lane Dennis at Crossway. He was my boss for 10 years at Crossway. He was a, a disciple of Francis Schaefer's. He did life and led Crossway. Guys, get a load of this. As if God was actually right there. (laughs) As opposed to God being merely an an abstraction that we confess theologically, but then move on to other internal emotional and psychological strategies to negotiate the difficulties of the day. Mm. So um, uh, uh, that's what it looks like. It look uh, Mm. getting up. And get becoming a, a Christian all over again with my Bible and coffee, and then apologizing my way through the day. That's overstating mm. a little bit, but the sure. point is, living my life as as a sinner and needing to say, as I needed to this morning to my six year old, Ben, I'm sorry, I should not have lost my temper like that mm. when you accused your <laughs> sister of stealing her Chromebook and you knew that you were lying about it, and then you acknowledged it openly, and so on. Uh, just a typical little miniature drama in the Ortland home in the morning. I'm sorry for losing my temper. You know, daddy needs Jesus as much or more yeah. than anyone in this house. Yeah. Uh, that's a couple windows in. Okay, the last thing to say is ordinary, ordinary, ordinary. Yes. Go to church, sit near the front, um, confess, walk in the light, but that is confess sin to a brother. So have one person who knows what's really going on in my life. Um, sacrament. Mm. I mean, just or the ordinary, the ordinary no, no, means. Yeah. Yes. I mean, and and yeah. over the years and decades, let that make me a more radiant human being. Mm. Uh, so that's a couple of thoughts. Man, so good. I want to take you back to something you said early on that I'd love to, not to be corny here with the title of the podcast, but I want to dig deeper into it. And that is, mm-hmm. um, the aspect of sanctification that is making us more human in the sense, more like mm-hmm. the humans God created us to be from the beginning yeah. that sin robbed from us. And yeah. talk more about that. I, I, I yeah. think, I think that's a concept of this whole being made more like God and becoming holy yes. that we don't, think about very often we actually think no. of it oppositely in the sense i need to become less human um yeah, yeah or, or even yeah. We, we justify our sin by well i'm only human yeah which is another angle right. of of, yeah. a, of a wrong approach for sure but 
yeah, talk to us more about that. I, I think that's huge for us to understand mm. and 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 apply is what's going on there and got the work God's doing uh, in making oh. us that more human in, in his original design. Oh my. Well, I, I welcome your thoughts, Jeff and Laura, as well. It's the Dutch the the Dutch reformed wing that has really helped me, people like Herman Bovink and others, mm-hmm. to to say, okay, we are created at the at the level of so we've got creation, fall, redemption, consummation. Stage number one, at the level of creation, we are all made in the image of God. In other words, what is the way that God is seen in the world today? Answer, you and me. We yeah. we are little images of God. Okay. Now, wh- what does it mean then to, um, to be a human being, to be that image of God? It means, as we say, it means to grow in being more like God. That is true. But there, there are a lot of Christians who take this sort of super spiritual, artificial approach to sanctification, who think that they are being more, uh, they are they are fulfilling their human destiny more effectively when they are praying or reading their Bible than when, when they are eating or sleeping. Mm. Now, there's a sense in which praying and reading your Bible is developing and nurturing and cultivating and fostering your soul in a way that being asleep isn't, on the one hand. On the other hand, all of those are the way God made us to be. Yeah. <laughs> all of those are being human. Yeah. So so um, as, I, as I am going through life, I, I want to... Um, I want to grow in being uh, more godlike and being the Dane Ortland that God made me to be to fill that out, and um, and a piece of this, guys, the gospel piece of this. So going from creation to redemption now, in what it is to to be a human being, uh, and I'm going to connect this to sanctification. Here is the main way the New Testament talks about sanctification is what we would call positional sanctification. No, don't let me lose anyone here. The, the point is simply, you are clean. Okay, yeah. now this is this is absolutely astounding and glorious. Dirty, messy me on my own. I actually positionally, objectively, maybe not subjectively, but objectively, I am clean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sanctification, the process of holiness, of becoming more like God, sanctification is not the process of me making myself cleaner so much as it is sanctification is the process of enjoying more and more all the time that I already am clean. Hmm. Hmm. I don't want to set those up as totally mutually exclusive. There is a sense in which growth and holiness is growth in obedience, in leaving behind sinful habits, in growing in virtue. Yes and amen. Yeah. But the thing is, that's intuitive to us. We know that. I mean, the world has a sense of that. What is counterintuitive, contra-instinctual, not our reflex, <laughs> is that actually I, 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 the engine, the real engine of growth is collapsing into wonder moment by moment, day mm. by day, year by year, that mm. I actually cannot get any cleaner than I already am. Mm. Mm. And therefore, wait a minute, what kind of universe is that that I find myself parachuted into? I'm already clean. I sure don't feel clean. I am clean. Dane, you are clean. Go to church, hear it again. Get up tomorrow morning, read it in your Bible again. You are clean. Say it to another Christian. Let another Christian say it to you. And as you do that, you you are growing and you are becoming more human. I don't know, Jeff, what's the answer to this? How, what does it mean to become more human? Laura, what do you think? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, no, no, no. I would like to experience more of this. Well, brother, I mean, yes. I, gosh, 
it, what you're saying, I mean, I'm just over here. I don't know if you can see me or notice that I'm nodding massively <laughs> because it, what you're describing is a a biblical truth and concept that uh, really didn't begin to sink into my own heart and mind mm. until in, in recent years. Mm. And I was in ministry. I've been in ministry for, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, 21 years now. Yeah. Um, wow. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how many years into ministry before I began to realize, okay, what exactly what you were saying has has not sunk in, yeah. and 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 it was this mm. epiphany, this grace filled, just spirit saturated like moment. I, I, maybe it wasn't just one moment, but it was just this time period. I guess I would say of beginning to wrap my mind around that, and 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 to your point earlier, I still am. I mean, every day, yeah. every day is a is that kind of oh yeah, I really am completely clean and pure and righteous in Christ. And and the sanctification process is not me trying to prove that I'm clean and pure and righteous in Christ, but I already am. Yeah. And growing in that such that I am becoming more human in the sense of that, like Jesus, who who was Jesus on earth, right? He was fully human. He was giving us a glimpse of what it looks like to be fully human. And if I'm becoming like him, um, I, that means I'm becoming not less human and more, ethere- mm-hmm. you know, this this existential, right. ethereal, spiritual kind of like whatever, you know, I'm a monk off in, you know, some la-la land, you know, I, I don't want to be critical of that, but I'm just saying, but no, engaged in life in the way that he created us to be, but yet uh, more like him. So what occurs to me, Dane, and just one thought I have real quick is, you know, you go back to the fall, you go back to that second pillar, you know, you said you have creation, you have fall, you have uh, redemption and consummation. And uh, you go to that second one, Genesis 3, and one of the very things that the enemy, that the serpent came at Eve with, and Adam, who was with her, was that if you, you know, the lie that he told him was like, hey, if you if you eat of this, oh, uh, yes. you'll, be, you know, you'll become like God. Mm-hmm. And God right. knows that, right? And so he did, that's why he told you not to eat of it, because, you know, you'll become like him. And what should have what should have been their response in that moment? What do you mean? We already are like God, right? <laughs> you know that we're already made in His image. He's given us the responsibility to to be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over the earth and exercise rule and reign in a way that images Him to the earth and shows His beauty and His glory to to everything. But instead, they believe the lie that they weren't like yeah. God, and of right. course, we know what happened next. But um, part of being made more into the image of Christ is is rediscovering even who we are as fully human in him, right? And mm. so anyway, I just think that's beautiful and profound, and we are still growing and understanding that on a, on a daily basis. Yeah. Laura, thoughts you have? Well, I, I appreciated what you said about just the wonder, um, taking time mm. to, and I can't remember how you said it towards the beginning, something about just setting your gaze mm-hmm. on the truth of the gospel I think so often I find myself, rather than like wondering in the gospel, I find myself um, amused by the world. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not mm. allowing my mind to be captured by the truths that, um, that really will bring about that change. I'm, um, I'm tired and I'm going to that empty cistern. <laughs> like mm. I'm tired and thirsty and I'm going to that thing um, that I know doesn't doesn't sat you know just as far as 
me wanting to have the, mm. I don't know if discipline is the right word. I guess, I guess it is. It's, it's what you were saying about beginning. Yeah. It's how I begin my day. It's, yeah. um, right. it's revisiting um, the truths of the gospel, believing that that, that that truly is what changes, not the self-help, yeah. not the, um, no, not the even like shaming myself into better behavior. Right. Things like that. Well, and what right. you said at the beginning too, Dane, that I'm just still chewing on that I think is so powerful is that you said something to the effect, and maybe you can say it again. We often think that growing in holiness, which is just a very basic definition of sanctification, mm-hmm. is is in some way constricting us, or or I don't remember the word you used, but you, you know, keeping us from becoming who we really want to be, as right. opposed to no, it's it, we're becoming more. We're mm-hmm. being like the butterfly illustration. We're being yeah set free right yeah yeah exactly in the um in the great divorce by c.s lewis it's not really a book about what heaven and hell will be like that's not the point the point is our perverse resistance to joy but in the book you're reminding me of it right now in your comments jeff because in the book those who are uh most selfish and worldly and sinful are most phantasmal there you can Mm. see right through them those those who are most godlike and Sarah Smith is the example, is a completely just ordinary woman who lived a life of love and therefore was glorified accordingly, um, are the most solid and mm. the most bright and the most real <laughs> and yeah. the most radiant. Um, and that's that's not how we tend to think about the spiritual. Um, yeah. I mean, even in 1 Corinthians 15, when it's talking about our resurrection body to come, it calls it the spiritual body. But the reason is because that is the Holy Spirit's, the body the Holy Spirit gives us, not because it is um, non-physical. Right. It's a physical, spiritual body. Mm. So, um, yeah, just amen to the way you just put it there, guys. Amen. So, Dane, clearly we could continue to talk to you about this, like, for hours and hours, but yes. you have a church to pastor, a family <laughs> to, to parent. Let's um, make this a four-hour episode. Yeah. Um, so we're going to live it. Our, we're each going to ask one more question. Okay. How about that? That's Is great. that okay, Jeff? That's great. Yep. Okay, here's my question. For the person who you referred to earlier, I can't change. Mm. I've struggled yeah. with you know, whatever addiction for 40 years now. My own personal yeah. history shows that I cannot bring about any change in my life. What would you say to that person? Thank you, Laura. And actually, who of us cannot relate to that? I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, that any, person's any me. Our, I, yeah. I can admit that. <laughs> no, I mean, we, we, we're all there in a desperate way at some point, and we're all there to some degree all the time. Yeah. And I think what I would, I mean, a lot, a lot of thoughts. Here's just one. Um, 1 John 1, 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, two things happen. Um, We have fellowship with one another, number one. Mm. Number two, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. In other words, you actually have the audacity to feel forgiven. We have Mm. fellowship with one another. The walls come crashing down. And you experience felt forgiveness. How do you get those two things? Walking in the light. In the context of 1 John 1, that doesn't mean walking in moral purity, though the Bible does call us to do that. What it means is walking in honesty, unmasking. So here's an idea. Here's a radical, totally terrifying idea. 
<laughs> think about your local church and think about one other human being, a fellow Christian of the same gender, who is a safe and trustworthy man or woman. And send them an email or catch them in the hallway and say, hey, um, I'm stuck and I need to grow. I don't want you to fix me, but would you listen and pray mm. as I simply walk in the light? Um, and if you're on the receiving end of this, don't you dare give a word of advice unless they ask for it. If they ask for it, give it. Otherwise, when someone confesses a sin, we listen and then we pray, period. Mm. That's it. Okay. So you find someone and you say, um, you walk in the light with them. I, I, I've, I've got two guys in my life, really that I do this with. One is enough um, to know where you're really at at any given time. Yeah. Guys, it it breaks the power of that thing you're stuck in really because it's not festering in the darkness anymore. Yep. It's brought out into the light where it wilts. There's just something about the dynamic of that. It's biblical truth. And, um, and then what you often find is this person likewise uh, if you've chosen wisely, they will respond accordingly. And then before you know it, you have plunged both of your hearts into a relationship of profound Christian yeah. fellowship and yeah. communion that you cannot get otherwise because you are struggling forward together. You're in the foxhole together, yeah. taking shrapnel together, and you're experiencing solidarity. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that would be one idea, Lord, just first John 1, 7, find so a good. friend, find a real friend yeah. and, and be honest with them. Mm. Thank you, Dave. It occurs to me that there's some, someone at least, maybe many who are who, who are listening, and they need to hear that. You know, they they need to hear because what you said is so true. It's it, it is absolutely biblical that yes, we confess vertically, and that's important to the Lord. Confess our sins to Him, but you think about that verse in First John that says, you know, confess your sins one to another and pray for yeah. one another, yeah. and then what's the promise? Yeah. So that you may be healed, right? Yes. Yeah. So. So many times in my life, I have confessed sin to the Lord, and I know that He's forgiven me, but I don't experience the power of that forgiveness mm -hmm. and the freedom of that go. forgiveness until I've confessed with a brother. Mm -hmm. yes. And that's just part of how God has designed things for us to experience yeah. the power of His forgiveness in community, right? Um, yeah. Here's my question, and you know, here's my last question. I, I was going to ask, actually, ask something similar. Hmm. You kind of stole mine, Laura. Thanks. Sorry. Um, I was going to ask, what about the person who? Uh, is listening who has just absolutely blown it today mm. or yesterday. Uh, but you kind of, I, th I feel like I might need to shift that because you kind of, I think what you would have said would have been similar to how you answers Laura, answered Laura's question. Maybe not. But I'm thinking over here about actually, what about the opposite of that? W what about, speak to the person who has actually been caught in a pattern that maybe they're just now realizing of counting their acceptance before God based mm -hmm. upon their religious performance, mm -hmm. based yeah. upon their uh, their goodness, and um, you say you say something in this book that is is really wonderful for us to be reminded of, and you call it the great prerequisite. Mm -hmm. uh, if you remember that, right? Hopefully, you remember. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, if you're like me, there were some things that I wrote down some for the book that I wrote, and it's just one book. You've written many, and I, and then people bring it up, and I go, "Oh yeah, I did. I, I kind of remember that I wrote that." <laughs> um, but uh, talk about that. What is for the person that maybe has fallen into the trap of, you know, I, I do the right thing, I'm good, and God loves me because of that. Yeah. 
what's the word to them? What's the what do they need to hear? Oh my. Well, you, the the question you started with but didn't ask is someone who's done something really really bad. The right. question you then went to if I tracked with you, Jeff. Yes. Is what yes, about sorry. someone who <laughs> No, 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 no. Yeah. Who's someone who's been doing in their mind really, really good. Right. And actually, I think that all three of us would say the same thing <laughs> to both people. And I would just throw in here as a little parenthetical footnote. Um, I myself today am ping-ponging back and forth between those two mindsets mm-hmm. <laughs> all mm-hmm. the time. Yep. Um, here's what I would say. Um, Jesus, the real <laughs> Jesus. Who, what's he really like? Mm. And are you, has he become a formula or something theoretical that you're grateful for and in a way love, but he's, he's just off there somewhere. And what is really animating you is something else. Uh, The the theological way to put this is both antinomianism and legalism, Mm. both who cares how I live and I'm going to get God to love me by how I live. Actually, both are healed. If you trace them both down, they both have the same deficit at the root. Yep. They're not opposite. Like if you're an antinomian, put some legalism in. Or if you're a legalist, put some antinomianism. No, no, no. Mm. Trace all the way down to the root. And what you need is you need to see Jesus. Now, hang on. You need to see Christ. What in the world is that? You, you, need, to, you need to see Um. And, and if you ask him to show you, he will. Okay. You need to see the real Christ. Yeah. You need to see the real one, not the decaffeinated or junior varsity Christ that we tend to think is there. Mm. But it's like, I, I say this to my people in sermons from time to time, because if I'm constantly needing to say to myself, guys, the Jesus that you are bored with, the Jesus that you're yawning at is not the real Jesus. If you are bored with or yawning at him, if you are on, as you just said, Jeff, you know, you just, you kind of think you're doing well and you're wondering why you're kind of just miserable all the time. Right, right. If, if, if you, um, if you're bored with him, if you're not getting traction with him, with all due respect, the problem is you, yeah. mm. not him. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's the problem isn't he's a small Christ for your big problems. The problem is he's a huge Christ, but you're not taking your huge problems to him. Mm. The Jesus you're bored with is not the real Jesus. If you're bored with him, the problem is you, not him. The real Jesus is irresistible. Mm. What would you say to someone who is standing on the rim of the Grand Canyon, ooing and awing over photos of the Grand Canyon on their phone? <laughs> You'd say, what are you doing, you doofus? Just yeah. set your phone down and look at the real thing and let your jaw yeah. drop. Yeah, yeah. That's what it's like. That's the, the sort of the the dynamic here for both the person who just blew it or is so quite pleased with themselves that they haven't blown it in a real long time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> look at yeah. the real Christ and collapse into his arms, melt into his arms all over again. Anyone can collapse. You just have to have the humility to fall down. Anyone mm. can do that if you just have the humility to do it. <laughs> mm. So I would mm. just encourage them. I, and I mean, this, you both know, as I do, this needs a thousand footnotes to it and needs to get worked out in the, the nitty gritties yeah. of daily yeah. life. Yeah. But you need to look at Christ, look to Christ, open your Bible in Christian fellowship and look to him. And over time, uh, you you will grow. Mm. So how does mm. God change us? Look to Christ. Yep. Yes. There you go. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. 
Dane, what a gift you are yeah. to us, to our local church here at Perimeter and to yeah. the church at large. Just thank you for your time today. Yes. Thank you, brother. You too. Keep going. I love you. Love what you're doing. And great to spend time with you. Amen, man. Well, thanks for joining us and thanks for all who listened and uh, stay with us. Continue with us in this series of faith and as we have more guests who are going to talk through uh, some really awesome things. So thank you, Dane. Love you, brother. Appreciate you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.